Okay. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Move your body in the body. All right. So we sitting here at April 10th. Beautiful into spring. We are. It's a really nice, classic upstate New York spring morning. Got some haze, got some drizzle, a couple showers, snow showers, that is, up here on the Hornby Hill. And it's just a beautiful time of year. Everything's changing. The past couple days have been really warm, and the grass is starting to get green. And it's just like, it, it just invigorates your heart to see the, the green finally come in. And uh, in the lower, in the valleys, you got your vegetation sprouting up first. So those are along the river corridors, you're starting to see some, some buds at the tips of trees and even some of the non-green plants uh, start to sprout and like they sprout these red buds and also uh, seeing seeing some uh, of the the witch hazel and the understory of the forest start to sprout little green buds so before you know it it'll all be here but uh anyway so today we're going so i'm really excited because this weekend i am meeting my friend Derek Clune, little brother in my frat, to go fish in the Catskills. I'm not going to say exactly where, but it's in the Catskill region. There's a ton of, uh, you know, streams and rivers there. It's very steeped in tradition, the Catskills. It's credited with the birth of American dry fly fishing or I, th- I don't think it's dry fly fishing in general. I think it's American dry fly fishing. But it's a very, like, uh, very, like, classic place to fish. Very, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's very steeped in tradition. And um, it's cool. So, uh, I think it's not the ideal place. So, okay, let's do a little, little sum up real fast. So, Derek uh, is not an experienced angler. And he's never really gone fly fishing either. So he asked me to show him what I know. And let's be clear about something right here and right now. I by no means am a experienced uh, fly angler. (laughs) Not in any sense of the word. I think I've been doing it three years. However, I think um, I got enough skills to show him how to get started I mean for me I am I am no way uh, uh, every time I go out I'm nailing a bunch of trout but I don't think anybody is but I can get the job done um, given what I know and also I taught myself everything I know so it's more that philosophy right Uh, discovering your backyard what do you got around you and how can you figure out how to get to it so and you'll hear this time and time again for me. I mean, find something that interests you. Just whatever. It kind of inkling makes you want to call, figure name, go go see it. And research how to fucking do it. It's not It's not crazy. It's not rocket scientist. It's just, it's going to take, know that it's going to be a learning curve. It's going to be slow going at first. And you'll have a lot of errors. But eventually, with persistence... And dedication, you'll figure it out. Okay, this pep speech out. Anyway, so Derek wants to learn. So 
uh, he was thinking about buying a rod and everything, and I was like, well, you know, maybe you should just try it first. I got an extra rod you could use, and if you like it, then go out and buy yourself. But I told him he would need some waders because waders are pretty much, they're not totally necessary in fly fishing, but I don't know. They sure make your day a hook of a lot easier. And at the beginning of something, you want to kind of weigh out that middle road where you don't want to spend a ton of money on it, but you also don't want it to be so fucking miserable that you never want to do it again. Because, especially if you're going to introduce someone, if it's something that you're do, then you might want to suffer through it. But if you're introducing someone to it, I mean, a fair amount of suffering is good, but over-suffering is going to turn them away from it. So, so yeah, so he got some waiters, and what our plan was is to meet halfway because he lives in the city i live in upstate new york western new york's corning area so the catskills is about equidistant for both of us and what we're gonna do is we're gonna stay at uh the fly fishing museum they have a bunkhouse that you can rent rooms for or rent a bed for for 20 bucks a night can't beat that so i rented us some rooms uh couple bunks there and we're gonna both drive out from work on friday wake up early fish all day probably go out for dinner and some drinks after that and then fish the morning on sunday and uh maybe recap maybe i'll maybe i'll get him to uh to podcast with me we'll see we'll see how he how he feels about it but i hit my boy up juan amistardo that uh i met at a bha rendezvous that was actually held at the same fly fishing museum last year and uh, he was telling me all these really cool stories about rivers in the area. And um, I hit him up to see if he wants to go. He said uh, he'd like to meet us and uh, maybe show. He's, he's an experienced fly angler. He, he definitely could show us a lot more than, than I could show Derek alone. But. So I hit him up and he said, yo, if you guys get here, you might just time the Hendrickson hatch just right. Or you still might be a week early. It depends. You know, it's not like written on the calendar. It's all seasonal. So that's like getting really into it. I, I don't I don't know about, I mean, I've looked at hatch tables for our section of the country and that kind of stuff. And I do try to match the hatch to some extent. I mean, I don't like, uh, I see what's water, what's in the water and you put something on like that. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not crazy. Like, <clears throat> but anyway, so. We are hiking, we are uh, gonna plan to try and get away from some of the crowds, some of the, just the road access points. And there's a place that I wanna hike back into a couple miles and then fish that and walk our way back upstream to the car. So I figured about three miles is an all day trip fishing. So that'll really keep us on the water. And uh, my strategy now for trout has it's pretty much been i like to run a streamer with the dropper typically a woolly bugger i like to run a streamer with the dropper and it's kind of just like a locating pattern i'm trying to find a fish like you know i'll fish those in places that really look like they would hold fish um so i really like to do that like a little black woolly bugger running a like a black nymph off the back or really any color nymph. I just use black because I see a lot of black on the streams. But olive, you know, it's it, the streams where I live have mostly black. So depending on what they have there, I'll switch it up. But 
So I just really like that pattern because I've I've turned many fish with it. And so even if they don't, they usually see the woolly bugger first. Okay, let me explain something else. What uh what I'm talking about is you get your fly line, right? And then you run off your leader a section of tippet, which is thinner material, and then you tie on a streamer fly a streamer like the woolly bugger or any kind of streamer right it's just a bigger fly that will is very attractive to the fish like it, it it's big so they can see it really well from far away and then off of that i uh, from the point of where it's tied onto the woolly bugger there's extra extra tippet hanging off and i run about a foot maybe maybe more maybe less and then i tie on a little fly like a nymph something more inconspicuous. So the theory being <clears throat> the fish are turned by the larger attractor fly, like the woolly bugger or zonker or something. And then maybe they, if they're not reticent to take that, there's a little tiny bug right behind it that may be more attractive to them and they, it doesn't scare them or anything. So I like to run that when I'm starting out, right? So I like to, because that will, I've turned many fish, even if you don't catch them per se, you know they're there. So you're starting to see fish and then you can, you know, refine your tactics from there. Uh, but by far the best fun, my favorite way is when you start seeing them hit the surface. So even if they're, if they're hitting flies on the film or in the film being bugs that are resting on top of the water or bugs that are actually in the surface film of the water it's kind of you don't really think of it like that but it is there's a little buffer zone that is the film before you're like totally under the surface so once you see fish swirling now you know you got fish and now it's a matter of <clears throat> matching your putting a fly there that they want um not getting it to not not having any drag while you drift your flies and also uh making sure that you're keying in on whether it's off the film or in the film just below the film like that you got to figure all that out but once you do you can pretty much once you figure out what they're nailing uh you know you can get into them pretty good also um you want to sometimes you need to downsize your tippet to uh to get it so that they're not scared by your by your line i really like uh i really like fluorocarbon for dry flies because it doesn't kink up as much as uh some of the monofilaments do but so we'll probably hike back in three miles fish that will be my recommendation to fish streamers with nymph trailers until we start either we catch fish or we start uh or we start seeing rises. <clears throat> I think the weather's not supposed to be stellar, so rises may may not be all that all that prevalent. But uh, we'll see what Juan has to say about it. He may recommend something completely different. But then again, this is his backyard, and he's been fishing a lot longer than me, so I'll, I will heed his advice for sure. But uh, I'm really excited. So what what I think we're gonna do is we're gonna wake up so that. We are at our fishing spot 
as soon as it's light enough to see. I'll have to check the regulations because I hardly ever wake up that early to go fishing. And I'll have to make sure that um, we can fish before sunrise. But if not, we'll just wait till sunrise. Um, for all you newbie outdoorsmen, at sunrise, it's balls bright. Like, you can start to see stuff about... Stuff is grainy at, like, 45 minutes before sunrise, and it depends on the time of year, right? But, um, but half an hour before sunrise, you could definitely see. And at sunrise, you can see totally, like, really well. So... Uh, just a little tip for you, you people that never get to see the sun in the woods, sunrise in the woods. Oh yeah, we got a lot of green right here on this witch hazel. It's all over the place. Sweet. We're at the valley now, but, um, so we're going to hike in and I'm thinking we'll take a day pack, pack our waders and our boots in that shore lunch and you know, whatever fly gear we'll need. It's pretty lightweight. It doesn't take up that much room. Um, and then take our I'm just gonna hike in with tennis and uh hike in with shoes take those off put them in the bag get your waders all strapped up and on uh and start fishing and we'll just take our take our time getting back up there and I think um if we hike three miles back I think that really will eliminate a lot of the crowds we'll see though because it's the second weekend of the season um I think it's a fairly famous area, and, and uh, yeah, we can be hopeful. So, uh, technique. This is, uh, I'm shooting this out to Derek when he listens to this. Maybe it'll help, him, help me eliminate some of the explaining I have to do on river and improve some of our fishing time. The thing about fly fishing is... Just know this is like fundamental basics. So the weight of your line and the flex of your rod is what propels your fly out to where you want it. And I don't know how big this river is, but casting would not have to be that great a caster to, to fish it well. And a, a lot of it is just takes time to develop the cadence and the feel for it. And I mean... I'm like I said, I'm not an expert caster, but I could get it out sort of far and I can get it to go where I want to go and I can get it to land softly a lot of the time, most of the time. So I'm by no means perfect, but I can get it done. So when you you take out your line, you pull it off the spool, and you get some of it out so that you can weight weigh down your line. So when you pull it out, you have your you have your rod right and you want to push your snap your rod forward not like crazy like lightly like a flick of the wrist flick it forward then you pull it back and you pause at the back holding your line tight with your left hand then you push it forward which will which will curve your your rod and then you pull it forward till you feel it like tugging on your left hand and you let that let that tug pull the rest of the line from from the the line you have released on the spool you have it pulled out and so that will then carry forward and then once that when you push in it forward you're creating like a, a loop like a little curve in the line 
And once that goes all the way out and it pulls all the slack out of the line you have pulled off your reel, it will then fold over the rest of your line, which has your leader and your tippet and your fly on it. And, you know, it's an awkward motion and it really it takes time to feel how to cast. And it, every rod changes. So, like, you know, every rod, you'll feel it differently. Like, the, 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 the pressure you have to put where and when will change on your rod based on everything. I don't think, I mean, I've never tried to cast two factory same rods, but I would imagine that they'd be slightly different. Yeah, maybe not a factory one, but definitely a different model to cast it. So, that is a hard thing to explain, and more got to do that, so we'll have to get a little casting practice in, but that's okay. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, fishing nymphs and streamers, I mean, if we're fishing on the holes, like, all you really got to do is be able to get some line out, drift it, and, uh, and, and get it out there through and drift it through. Get it out into the pool and drift it through there. Now, speaking of drifting, what you want to achieve if you're not like stripping a streamer, which means like pulling the streamer with your left hand, like like imagine like reeling in a regular fishing pole, like how it's coming back towards you. Stripping just means you're pulling the fly line to achieve that same thing. So if you're not, if you're just trying to drift, drift uh, a streamer or a nymph through a hole, you want to achieve a drag-free drift which is just means that you're the current you're not fighting the current right it looks like your fly is just floating in the water and it's not no uh no uh, current forces are pushing it or you or 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 you're holding it back from the current with your hands like with your with, with the rod so that can take a little while to to figure out but as you fish more and more, you figure it out. So, it's uh, achieving a drag-free drift is important because it makes it look very natural. Now, something I find effective with that drive—not uh, drive dropper, with that uh, streamer and nymph trailer—is I like to dead drift it, and then at the end of the drift, I like to let it swing. And swinging just means like you let it, you let it come up, you let it get tight and come up and fight the current because it looks like it imparts a little bit of life to it. And I've had a lot of fish come up on that on that swing and try to smack my woolly bugger. So the swing is uh, is very good. And if they don't smack the woolly bugger, they come after it, they, they bail on it, and they grab the little nip. So it's by no fo- no mean a guarantee, but it can, uh, it can work good. So we'll go over all that. And... Uh, Another thing to, to do is dr- with the dry flies. So dry flies or emergers and stuff, kind of call them the same shit, but when you cast those, you want those to land very gently on the water surface. You want most of your casts to land gently, but those especially, because you go bombing in some of your fly line, you smack the water like crazy, you're gonna spook some trout. So if you can gently lay your fly down, one, it's going to stay floating, and two, it won't be as scary to the fish. And um, if you use a fluorocarbon leader, then it won't be, you won't have as many dots on the surface that look unnatural to the fish. 
Uh, let's see, what else? Okay, you need to learn a couple knots. You need to learn the, is it, it's the non-slip mono loop. Um, I'm not even gonna try to explain how to tie a knot by words. That's, that's uh, exceedingly difficult. But uh, I recommend getting a piece of six pound test um, or something like that, something thicker because it's easier to practice on thicker line than when you're trying to tie 7x tippet. Um, so get a piece of six pound test and Google these knots. With these knots, you'll be fine. You want the non-slip mono loop. You want a fisherman's knot. Uh, blood knot and then what's the there's another there's another knot I don't know I forget what it's called but it's use it you use it when you tie in loop to loop connections uh, just google loop to loop connections and it'll tell you how to how to tie that knot the blood knot I think is also the polymer knot so you might want to look up polymer knot I think that's what it's called but uh, yeah you need to know a couple knots because no one wants to be tying your knots all day. So learn those knots. Uh, let's see, what else do you need to know? All right, so let's say you hook a fish. Let's say after all, all this crazy shit, you finally get one hook. And uh, when, you're, when you're pulling it in, you're not gonna wanna reel the reel on your fly line so much. You're gonna wanna try and pull it with your hand slowly. And when you're pulling it in, you wanna just, you don't wanna pull too hard. Just let, let the fish fight the bend in the rod and the weight of, of, your, of, the, of the drag on your line or your hand. And when you're getting it to you, you're gonna wanna get it in your left hand or you, or you keep it in your right hand, but get your net and extend it as far out as you can while pulling back on your rod as far as you can. But you don't wanna put your rod tip too straight up in the air because the more you do that, the more strain you'll put on your tippet, which is the usually like one of the weaker sections of your system and you may break them off right at the point of landing. Also, when you set the hook, uh, I don't, I'm not a real big fan of the uh, lift up hard method I'm more of a strip set kind of guy I feel like it's a much more effective way of, of setting the hook um, I know they always preach that for bass and salt water but I kind of find it the same for for trout too that means that instead of just like pulling up on your rod you can pull up on your rod a little bit and what but you also need to be pulling back on the fly line and up with your rod. That's gonna set set the hook hook the best. So yeah, man. I don't know. It's a it's a lot of hands-on practice. You can listen to a lot, but hopefully, if you listen to this, uh, you can eliminate some of the some of the things, and you can you can go practice a little bit before we get out there, um, and you can come with some questions that are that are confusing you. And then we can address those more specifically rather than such a general a general crash course in it. Uh, unfortunately, the section we're going to be fishing is catch and release only. 
and I only say that because I don't he's a new fisherman I don't want to impart a strict uh, catch and release ethos on him I think that uh, catching fish for food is like a, a, a lighter version of hunting it definitely is right and uh, he also expresses interest in learning how to hunt so I don't want him to feel like uh, weird about having to uh, to uh, you know release all or I don't want to have weird, weird feelings about killing stuff so but, um, but this section is catch and release, and I kind of chose I chose this section, though, because I think it will offer a really cool wild uh, experience for him. Uh, I think he's done a fair amount of, you know, hiking and stuff, so it's not like he's never been out in the woods. But but uh, to, be, to be back in the woods three miles and uh, hike your way back to a trailhead through a river while fishing for wild browns, brookies, and rainbows, I think is a... Uh, is a pretty cool experience, so that's why I chose it. And I, I've been wanting to try this stretch too. Um, it just looks really sick, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, Derek, look into some stuff. Practice as much as you can. I know you don't have a fly rod, but practice tying some knots, and uh, we'll see you out there on the water, buddy. All right, love you guys.